2: Welcome to Hit Me One More Time, the Nostalgia Reflection podcast, where we look at the things that we loved when we were younger, and we ask the question, is this good? I'm David Luzader, and I've got someone here with me whose accent will shift wildly throughout the episode, Uh, and that is Nick Shermooksness. Nick, hello. Good
1: good day, mate. Something Chip Chip Cheerio I already forgot. This movie took place in
2: Guam, right? (laughs) If I recall what we're talking about today. I mean, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if it did, because Kevin Costner would sound the exact same.
1: <laughs> as in spot on, someone right. from
2: Guam. Yeah, as <laughs> in <a> perfect, flawless <laughs> accent. Uh, we're gonna, we're definitely gonna talk about our subject more here in a minute. Before we get to that, we have to talk about the person that brought it to us. Our guest this week is the one, the only, Bobby Frankenberger of All Around Science Podcast and Shadowcasters Network. Bobby, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me,
2: David. Thank you very much. It's it's very exciting to have you on. What have you been up to since uh, since... America's next top podcaster. I forgot the name of the show <laughs> that we met on for a hot second. <laughs>
0: you're uh, you're done with it now. America's <laughs> second top podcaster show. Yeah, it's uh I have been working on the aforementioned all-around science podcast. I actually when we got done with the competition started uh work on it and it was in production for I swear like I'm not exaggerating like 8 or 9 months before I did it and it some of that was because of co-host scheduling but some of that is because i am an over planner um but uh but now we're doing it Woo. and uh, that's what that's i've been up to
2: yeah that's great you can tell people where to find it at the end of the show because uh teaser people you can't just get it from bobby right now and skip the episode you gotta sit through the whole thing but no super Not that anyone
1: comes here for us <laughs> right no. it's usually just the guests yeah.
2: T- typically but that uh that is super exciting and you know just real quick what are like so it's all around science. What does that mean?
0: All around science. It's just a science, a weekly science podcast that um, it, we talk all, uh, we talk all around the topic of science. Not all, around, not all around avoiding science, <laughs> but but all around, science is all around. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's more like that.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah, I would love the idea of a show all around science, which is like... You talk about everything every... except science. Yeah. If science <laughs> comes up, we, we get out of that conversation real quick.
0: That's when you know the episode is over, when science is brought right. up. <laughs> it's,
1: it's the Matt Damon of the podcast.
2: <laughs> uh, well, this show uh, has nothing to do with science whatsoever, but it has everything to do with nostalgia. And this week we're talking about Bobby's pick, which is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. This 1991 action-adventure movie follows the exploits of Robin of Locksley, also known as Robin Hood. After returning home from the Crusades, Robin finds his home burned and the people of England at the mercy of the Sheriff of Nottingham. With the help of his new friend, Azeem, and a group of merry men, Robin takes on the Sheriff and helps the poor. This is the part of the show where we talk about our personal histories with this topic. Bobby, you brought it here to us. What is your history with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? Why did you want to bring it to the show?
0: This has long been my favorite movie of all time. I actually haven't seen it. I watched it again today, but I haven't watched it in probably 10 or 15 years. But uh, I can tell you where, how old I was, where I was sitting, the circumstances surrounding the first (laughs) time that I watched this movie. It had such a, a, a strange impact on my life it influenced me in so many ways. I was in my, I was, I was probably, so 1991, I guess I was about seven years old and I was in my living room. We had just moved from Scotland. We were overseas because my, uh, my parents were in the Navy. We had just come back to the States, I guess, because we were in a new neighborhood. My parents had some people over and were like entertaining. And so they needed me to entertain myself and this movie had just come out on VHS. Like we had cracked the plastic just to keep me busy and away from the adults. Um, <laughs> and uh, I had no idea that put it in and sat me down in front of it. And, um, and the rest is history.
1: So what you're saying is that this movie
0: raised you. <laughs> it, did. It, it, it was, it was always there for me in the most important moments of my life. <laughs> I don't um, talk
1: to my parents anymore. But I talked to Kevin Costner frequently.
0: yeah, this movie, seriously though, became very quickly. I was really into Zelda as a kid. Um, this always also been my longtime favorite uh, video game series. And I think something struck me right away as this guy who's in the woods with a sword fighting bad guys that just spoke to me hmm. and uh, and uh, it was like I could see some, I don't know, there was parallels or something, but I was, it was, uh, it, it, this thing, this movie. Oh my.
1: It was the tunics. (laughs) Definitely the tunics.
0: It, um, it impacted the way that I view, uh, viewed at least throughout to high school. We'll talk more about the movie, I'm sure. And, and some weirdness about it, but, um, the, uh, the, my views of what, like being a good person or heroism was my, my romantic ideals. I think for Ooh. the longest time I wanted a curly uh headed uh, girlfriend forever. I just, because Marion in the movie has, has this beautiful curly hair and um just like everything. Kevin Costner was like my ideal of a, per- <laughs> of a perfect man. Wow. There is. <laughs>
2: There is so that's, much in that to dig. That, that is
1: that honestly, you know what? That's beautiful. I think that that just sounds wonderful.
2: Okay, great. Nick, Nick thinks that sounds wonderful. I'm over here like, boy, there's a lot of red flags in that story.
1: Yeah, I'm, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. We can we can dig deep into that too. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh boy. Oh, that's that's great. Uh, Nick, what about you? Did did this movie shape you as a child? <laughs> I never knew my parents.
1: Um, so I, I, I off the bat, I just got to be honest. Uh, when you told me that we were watching Robin Hood, I just instinctively didn't pay attention to like the the subtitle of the movie and just assumed you meant men in tights. So when I actually sat down and then confirmed exactly which one we were watching, I was disappointed, which <laughs> is nothing against this film, just that I wanted to watch men in tights. So obviously I hated this film. Um no, so I mean, I have definitely, basically, I had, I saw it, maybe even roughly around the same time frame as Bobby. Maybe I was a bit older. It's it's hard to remember, um, uh, and it, I enjoyed it, I, I think, and I, then I went on with my life. So, uh, <laughs> and that and that's something against that the movie. It was just, it did definitely didn't. I, I think it's fascinating how how there can be such a difference. You know, and how and how instrumental it was to Bobby's upbringing and love life, and how for me it was, you know, sort of a blip in my history.
0: Well, this speaking of Men in Tights, of course, this movie is the movie that mm-hmm. Men in Tights was making fun of.
2: Yeah, it was it was a mix of this and the the Arrow Flynn one a bit, which uh, right sure. shares some some scenes like the scene when he shows up to the party and like throws a deer onto <laughs> right, the, right. the prince's table. For me, this movie kind of always existed around me, but I I never engaged with it in any direct way. Like, I don't have a lot of memories of it from being younger, but I remember in college, friends who were very much into it. I remember, I think, it being on during, like, Thanksgiving or something. Having watched it now, like, sat down to actually watch it in its entirety, I know I've seen it all. I just don't know if I had seen it all before this in one go. So this was really kind of like the, the piecing of all the parts together, as mm-hmm. it were. So I, some different sounding experiences with it. I'll be very curious to see what that means as far as our viewpoints of things in the movie. Before we get to our discussion, though, Nick, why don't you tell us a bit about the world's history with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves?
1: I will. But I will say that you you mentioned that like it was like you saw it maybe around Thanksgiving. And I think Thanksgiving movie is like a, a great way to describe this film.
2: It is. It is uh, like it's an inoffensive family pleaser, right?
1: Like, <laughs> like Right. Like you, you, you show up on Christmas Day. Someone gets like Die Hard 3. Someone else got Prince of Thieves. And it's like, well, there's kids here. Let's put this one on. Um, the world, it exists. It's still here. And it was also here in 1989. <laughs> In 1989, writer-producer Penn Densham wrote an outline for a movie about a Robin Hood with a devil-may-care attitude like Indiana Jones that was turned into a screenplay by John Watson. In 1990, the small production company Morgan Creek saw gold on the page, quote-unquote, and immediately funded the film. Kevin Costner first rejected the script until he learned that Kevin Reynolds was directing. Costner's explosive career made the production timeline difficult, and his uneven performances blamed on the disagreement with Reynolds on whether or not he should have had an accent. Interesting. Mm -hmm. The studio demanded constant edits to boost Costner's performance and prevent Rickman from stealing the show. They eventually locked Reynolds out of the editing room, which led to him walking off the project and not attending screenings. The movie released June 14, 1991 to mixed reviews, but was a box office success.
2: Yes.
0: Interesting. That is, I don't know that they succeeded at preventing <laughs> Rickman from stealing the show, though.
2: Oh yeah. yeah, we're gonna talk so much about Alan Rickman in this movie because I'm um, uh, Bravo, Alan Rickman, one of the one of his greatest performances, and and he was even someone uh, who. Said later on after like he was like yeah I didn't really think the like the script was very good when they gave it to me so he was acting like actually in a totally different movie in his mind like <laughs> he leaned into the cheesiness of it he really kind of played up you know his character has all this like swagger that's really comedic and it's yeah, just yeah. it's beautiful
1: yeah there were there was like times where I thought like this guy's like a big nerd and then there's other times I was like hold on i'm i'm I might be attracted to you, I shouldn't be, but I am a little bit just a little
0: bit there's like it truly is a testament to to the all around process of a very skilled professional actor in my opinion, because there's so much depth to a character that by all rights shouldn't have been so interesting
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but absolutely such an interesting character you it's the character that i have always wanted to know more about in in this robin hood setting you know Mm. like there's so much oh man i would like his background his his parents and his mother in particular um and his uh like like why did what happened to him to make him want to be a part of a cult um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't right? know. It was so, such a fascinating character. Yeah. And, and, and oh, go ahead,
2: David. Uh, I was just, just going to say that he has some of the, I mean, the best lines, hands down, some of the best lines in the movie, but I, sure. I, you know, uh, I'm going to carve your heart out with a spoon. Why a spoon? Because it would hurt more, you idiot. Just yeah. pure gold. Yeah. And then there's stuff, some stuff that I'm, I'm not sure. And I, I didn't dig in. I don't want to know if it wasn't improvised, but I, like when he is coming out of the room and there's those two women sitting there and, He's like,
0: you, Maram, 1030 tonight, you, 1045, bring a friend.
2: Just such (laughs) random lines that just really, like, stand out against this, like, drop dead serious, quote unquote, period piece, I guess. It's not not fantasy. You can't say this movie is, like, full on fantasy because there's not, like, dragons and magic and stuff like that. But it's also not historical events. They
0: definitely took liberty uh with mixing and matching <laughs> different uh it's very anachronistic in a weird way <laughs> um, it's mixing different parts of history that shouldn't be together <laughs>
2: <laughs> like well like what i'm curious about this now
0: well first like the telescope hadn't wasn't oh, going to be invented right. for like 400 years right yeah so um but and and that actually touches on one of the one of the real looking watching it now in the current uh political social stage that we are in as a as a human race <laughs> human species um the that touches on one of the big problems i think that this movie has which is um which is uh Morgan Freeman's character mm. being being th- playing the t- the magical black man role right. you know um and uh and he's he like knows everything and he has th- this like profound wisdom and he's got these crazy inventions that I guess he pulls from time travel and um <laughs> you know like black like gunpowder which I guess existed at the time but there's no way that they would have had it like
2: yeah where just... did they get that from he just suddenly had all this gunpowder
0: <laughs> yeah well presumably he made it but um the movie's supposed to take place in like the late 12th century but I think gunpowder might not have even been invented until the 13th century uh, you know halfway across the world so um, I don't know. Or maybe it, maybe it was invented earlier. I just know it didn't belong there.
2: No, what the, <laughs> but the truth is, is that this is, uh, secretly this and Army of Darkness take place in the same universe because in Army of Darkness, Ash pulls out a, a high school right. chemistry textbook from his trunk and they make gunpowder. So,
0: right, it's o okay. facto. I didn't know that. That's good
2: enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm... I'm with you on the problems of Freeman's character at the same time. Like, thank God that there's some, another great actor in this movie who's giving a great performance. Yes. Uh, So So,
0: definitely don't confuse my love as a child of, of Kevin Costner's Robin Hood as some sort of pronouncement of this role and his acting prowess.
2: No, no, Um, no, Bobby, you've (laughs) been canceled. I'm already posting on Twitter right now. Hashtag cancel Bobby.
0: <laughs> yeah, but um, but yes. Uh, regardless of the way that uh, Azeem, the character Azeem, Morgan Freeman's character, was written, um, it was acted very well, and I I liked the character
2: quite a lot. Uh, agreed. And even though it, it's not historically accurate, one of the only parts that I really enjoy with Costner in this movie is when he looks through the the like telescope for the first time, and yes thinks that the people who are far away are up close. It's so stupid, But, <laughs> but it's funny. <laughs> it's like that's fun.
0: one of the things that is so good about this movie is that it, it, it's, it's one of those types of movies that is taking, of course, this fairy tale type story that's been with us forever and trying to like, you know, make, make it put it in the real world. you know, there's lots of movies that do this, lots of stories that do this. Um, mm-hmm. Try to explain it as if it were in the real world. Um, what would it be like and but it also makes tells the story through the actors like alan rickman and kevin costner's um levity and everything makes it sort of a uh a humorous telling of the story and and keeps it light and fun
2: Mm -hmm. at all at the same time yeah i think uh yeah you know i've got pretty mixed i don't want to say i I don't have very strong feelings about costner's performance in this movie because i don't think he's giving a strong performance so it doesn't doesn't to me beg much consideration uh which i you know he's the one that claims like well uh reynolds and i had this disagreement about whether or not i was going to have an accent that's why my performance is so uneven i'm like really that's what you're gonna that's the hat you're gonna hang that on okay uh the the really uncomfortable thing
0: about the accent thing is you can hear him trying to do it. Like it's uh-huh. very obvious when he tries to do it sometimes. And um and it's not like it's good when he does. No. Uh- <laughs> and also, come on, Kevin. It's not like you ever
2: use an accent in any movie where it's required. <laughs> come on. <laughs> just well, it's it's like it, you just gotta do what Sean Connery does. You just gotta embrace that that's your voice and never change it. Playing the King of England in this movie, still going to talk like Sean Connery. Playing Wait. playing a Spaniard in Highlander, still going to talk like Sean Connery. Right. To,
1: to be fair, though, Sean Connery has a voice and Kevin it's Costner true.
2: has a voice. That's, yeah, That's right. I, I, I would agree with that. There's also another character that tried to have an accent and lost it real quick, and that is Christian Slater as uh, <laughs> Will Scarlet. And I, I want to talk about this briefly because I think the Will Scarlet storyline is the most pointless part of this movie.
0: Yes. So, yes. At the end of the movie, you find out that Will Scarlet is um, is uh, Robin Hood's, well, I guess, stepbrother? I think
2: is half-brother? Half-brother? half-brother?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, half-brother. You're right. You find out that he's his half-brother and then suddenly uh, they have this instant... Uh, I have a brother moment. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then they forgive each other yeah. and all's well.
2: <laughs> Everything's good. It it goes absolutely nowhere. The revelation does absolutely nothing. It's just, it's like, why is this even here at all? Well, it was the early 90s, so Christian Slater was contractually obligated to appear in the movie, I believe. Yes, yes. Definitely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, that touches on another thing that I think about this, I thought about this when I was, in in the lens of our current like the way media is done nowadays there are a lot of there are a lot of really good potentially good uh p- subplots and threads in this movie mm-hmm. uh, there's the stranger in a strange land there's like the uh, the occult thing and, the, <laughs> and the, the the sheriff's mother trying to influence by the way i don't know i watch watched the Extended edition. I can't remember (laughs) if you know that it's his Okay. Wait,
2: wait, wait. That came up. When did that come up in the movie?
0: Uh, Oh, I
1: guess I watched it too. It comes up in the, in the, with the climax, I think. Towards towards the climax.
0: And, and I think it's one of the, one of the, a lot of the deleted scenes from the, from the theater, the one that was out in the theaters, the, um, what, a lot of those deleted scenes were the, like, occult Mortiana scenes. And I think they cut it out because it, like, like you don't need it to tell the story. Um, But uh, it kind of all helps to flesh out the sheriff of Nottingham's kind of backstory and why there's this cult thing going on and everything. And and Mortiana, the witch lady, is you find out is his mother and has been um, influencing him. He didn't know. But has been influencing him and um spying on him and pretending to be um this uh you know soothsaying lady uh for for all these years just to get to be pulling the strings in the background so that she can gain power and influence through him. Um and so that's a really interesting that's story seriously. to me. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> um and I want to hear that story. There's all the politics stuff. There's there's also the whole disenfranchised people banding together to overcome like there's tons of different stories. And I feel like this whole movie could have been a really good series, like a really good like Netflix series. Yeah. Right?
2: That's so, that's one of my own like notes about this is just there are so many plot threads that yeah. so many don't ever get properly explored. And some stuff, you know, like the Will Scarlet stuff, like is just so pointless. And it's like, okay, I guess it's it's there. And like, there's the there's a scene that where uh, Azim performs a C-section and delivers a baby, and like right. it, it, that's a fine little scene. But at the same time, it's like, well, what did that really add to the story overall? Like, this is a a two and a half hour movie that really I think, like as you said, could have been broken up and made into something more interesting, longer term. But I think as a two and a half hour movie. We could have cut out thirty minutes to forty five minutes of this film and made it a lot tighter,
0: oh, for sure, for sure, yeah, definitely. I think that um yeah, yeah i was I think I was just about to say all the 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 c section thing is crazy, it's just i think that's just more fuel to make azim this you know the
2: mystical black man, yeah, exactly, which is yeah not not great optics <laughs> Yeah, that's that's also a-
1: take a drink every time Morgan Freeman called Kevin Costner Christian.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they- yeah, they play up that whole. You hear from right from the beginning of the movie. Also, they they definitely take sides on the Crusades, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the opening context is like the 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 text at the beginning is is um right right from there. It's like these brave noblemen who run to the crusades and fight honorably. I mean, it doesn't say all of that, but that's the idea that you're getting right.
2: (laughs) Right. And like, it, it turned Robin from like this little rascal to uh, a, you know, a fully rounded wise man who is, who has learned much. Right. The relationship between Marianne and, uh, and Robin is interesting to me, it's got that fairy tale quality of like, we've interacted twice and we're totally in love because right. we see their interactions on the screen. and It's like, you hated him. like You hated him the last <laughs> time you saw him. And now you're like, oh, you've you've gone abroad for one semester and you're so worldly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he gets like the Atlas catalog or whatever it was, Atlas man, and like comes back and it's just like, oh,
2: wow. I mean true, he did see a lot of people he know die in a pointless war, but you know that's Oof. yeah, well, and
0: then she's also tore like she's also uh grieving her brother who died um mm, on true. The with him, so maybe she's just you know yeah. Kevin Costner Robin hood is 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 not a great role model in hindsight, no. he takes advantage of her in <laughs> well, uh, her weakness um. Yeah, yeah.
2: because the brother, as he's dying, is like, take care of Marion for me. He's like, all right, you want me to seduce Marion? What? (laughs) No, just like keep an eye on her right from our marriage. But what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Noble (laughs) sacrifice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Horses
1: have great GPS in that movie, (laughs) by the way. I I thought that was kind of a (laughs) funny scene.
0: But animals, you know, they always know how to get home.
1: (laughs) That's true. Yeah, totally.
0: Totally. Right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: I haven't seen my niece's dog get stuck in the office door three times today.
0: (laughs) That does bring up the question I always have. I have always had about timeline at the beginning of this movie. You know, Alan Rickman's band of cult brothers come and uh, kill Robin Hood's dad and then poke out Duncan's eyes. Right. All right and then and then i guess is it just a couple of days later that <sighs> he happens to come home and find him because how long has duncan been sitting in the smoking ruin of that castle <laughs>
2: blind? just smelling <laughs> smelling dead brian blessed up there yeah. <laughs> uh, i mean it had to have been a while that corpse looked pretty, right pretty pretty <laughs> grody oh interesting uh, little fact that i learned from the amazon prime x-ray as I was oh, watching yeah. this movie, is that uh, that Brian Blessed role uh, was originally supposed to be Sean Connery? He was Sean Connery was was um, offered the role of of uh, Mister Loxley. I can't, I don't know what his dad's name is. So Mister Loxley. and uh, passed to to you know played the king at the end of the movie. But um, thank God Brian Blessed was available because anything with Brian Blessed, I am happy to see.
0: He did a great job in the short role that he had he he did make you believe that he was a father who regretted the troubled relationship he had with his son
1: It's true i, I felt that yeah I felt that.
2: unlike costner who'd be like yeah my dad and i got in a fight before i left that sucked
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then and then suddenly he's like "I uh, i really am mad about my dad and i'm going to use it as an excuse to to, to, to influence this band of merry men I found.
2: Yes. There, there, was, there was a moment just a little bit before that, before he swears his revenge. And that's when he fights um, the, the, the lieutenant, like the, the Sheriff Nottingham's cousin, and like a couple of his guys. And he, he kills a couple of the guards and then has the lieutenant, like, by sword point, and then says, I've seen enough blood spilled to last two lifetimes. Now get off my land. Then why did you just casually slaughter four people? <laughs> well, now he's seen enough. Right. <laughs> it was that was the tipping point. <laughs>
1: it just keeps like going through the movie
2: where that's the last one.
1: That's the last one. Yeah,
2: that's yeah. like that's like a thing that you see like in MCU movies and stuff like that all the time too. Where it's like the the hero is just blasting through the grunts. Like if you're wearing a mask, you're you're you know you're not a human. You're just gonna die. Then they get to like the big villain. And it's like. No, we're not killers. We believe in justice.
0: <laughs> right after uh, Kevin Costner just shot an arrow through some guy between some guy's eyes. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Oh, he's a great shot, though. He's real impressive. Yes, yeah. this this movie features. Uh oh. Uh, okay, I, I had two thoughts. One, I'm gonna I'm gonna tri- backtrack on the Will Scarlet thing for a moment because you have a a, a plot line established where Kevin Costner is struggling with his feelings towards his father. And it's like, this is a really great time to expand on that. And maybe explain. Nope. Okay. They're just going to briefly hug. And then that's it. That's fine. Uh, but back to, uh, man, what was I, what was I even saying about, uh, Kevin Costner being a, a great show? Ch- oh yes. At the end of this movie, when, uh, the people are all in the gallows, they hang a child. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they're,
0: they're not kidding around.
2: No, it's dark. <laughs>
0: it is really dark. Um, they they abduct him and then um and then torture him yeah. and then and then they're going to hang him and um I, th- that hanging not that i've so i'm gonna nitpick a little bit here but that <laughs> hanging the fir- when you see it like like it's a miracle that kid survived the drop when that stool was <laughs> kicked out from under him um because he, they're all bound and and hung right like they have yeah. no free hands but um but yeah, it's it's really dark and that hangman also is disgusting and terrifying. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now, Nick, we often talk about your fictional children on this podcast. Uh your thoughts on that hang- we're going to let your fictional children watch The Hanging Children?
1: How would that make me feel? Uh I guess it depends on how old my fictional children are. Um you know, if they're like in middle school, then yeah, they can watch a hanging. <laughs> not I mean like in a movie, not like in real no. life. It's like 15 or 16 maybe. So
2: not not Um. when they're seven years old and you don't want them bothering you at a party. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my kids 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 watch this movie with me. I was going to ask. Yeah. (laughs) Um...
0: So, so, uh, they, my youngest (laughs) four-year-old, um, was okay with it, I guess. I'm, I'm revealing how great of a father I am.
2: (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. You, we had an episode where, where Brandon Cruz was talking about having his child watch Total Recall. I would say, as far as what's more family friendly, (laughs) this one's going to win out.
0: But to (laughs) the credit of my, my seven-year-old daughter, she, uh, at the end of it, she was like, uh. Dad, there is just too much killing in this
2: movie. <laughs> and I was like,
0: okay, you're right. There's any killing it's too much killing, sweetie.
2: <laughs> but wasn't it cool when he when he did that thing?
0: <laughs> right. I was like about to be like, hey, wasn't there a cool... Oh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. Oh. There was too much killing.
2: You're right. Yeah.
0: Uh. <laughs> yeah. Ah, drats.
2: That's... Yeah. Bobby just goes in a full-on crisis mode afterwards. Like, oh, no. <laughs> What have I done? And of course,
1: what we learned kids and what the whole point of us watching this film was, is that killing is bad.
2: Yes. But but also, uh, the, the real way to win a guy is to dress up like a man and attack them when they come to your home.
0: So that was weird. Um, in my notes that I took, uh, I definitely didn't, when I watched this as a, a kid, I never really thought about this, but now I'm like, wait a minute. So Marion is like this this badass fighter I guess. Mm-hmm. Um but then in the next moment and for the rest of the movie she's a damsel in distress.
2: Yes. What happened? <laughs> uh, that th- her whole opening scene and then like talking to Robin is very much like I'm not like the other girls. Right. But then yeah none of that pays off because as you said she's constantly just in distress the entire rest of the movie.
0: So was that scene just there to surprise you and and create some like like hot sexual
2: tension or something? <laughs> Nick what do you think?
1: Um I think it was the 90s and I think that female characters were generally written by men and only useful until they or were only competent until the plot needed them to be useless which is unfortunate
2: mm. yeah I think we've watched a number of 90s stuff now in this podcast and really the tropes do reveal themselves very clearly like one we talked we've talked about a lot is and we've talked about it already on this show is Morgan Freeman as the really the only character of color and uh also like the other you know he is yeah. the
0: Explicitly, the other in this one too. Like they straight up, everyone yeah. thinks he's terrible.
2: Yeah, everyone's like, he's a savage. Ugh. And then that
1: scene is always like, oh, actually, you're not so
2: bad. Right. <laughs> he's
1: like, he's like the Jack Bauer of the Robin Hood movie, basically. Right.
2: I, yeah. I just, yeah. in my brain, just totally confused. Um, who plays Jack Bauer? Keith or Sutherland and Kevin, Kevin Costner. Bauer. In my head, for a moment, they just became the same person. I was about to be like, "Yeah, Kevin Costner played Jack Bauer." Like, nope, that's not right.
1: Thanks. Uh, no, I think, like, I think, kind of tying back to the, the, the beginning, at the beginning of the show. Um, I guess maybe also be in the movie, but anyway, the, the idea of how do I want to word this? So you know, we we've been criticizing the film, and on one hand, it changed Bobby's life. On the other hand, I think David and I maybe are are lesser for not having that experience, <laughs> but it's, it's a, it's a movie that, you know, as we said, it was like a a Thanksgiving film or, you know, watching on Christmas day type film. Um, And it has all these problematic elements and and maybe, and maybe we're seeing them, you know, us as like fully formed adults and then the current climate that we live in, you know, and, but at the time for a lot of people, um, you know, this uh, quote unquote wasn't problematic. Um, But does that prevent, the movie from still being like a comforting, you know, sort of, uh, I, I mean, the movie's not that complex, right? There's a lot of really interesting elements, um, but like, it's still like relatively simple, fair. Do you, do you think that it still has a place as being a comfort film, even with its problematic elements, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: I, um, I mean, I think if we took all the problematic movies out, then right. we, we would have no more movies left to comfort us. It's um, <laughs> kind of what I think. Now that's not a, that's not a that's not giving it a pass i i want to make clear um i don't think it for like like we we are more careful about these things or we should be more careful about about these types of uh storytelling tropes um now but um but i i think um i'm like i'm i still was comforted by it when i watched it it wasn't um it wasn't enough to to pull me out now of course it's it's not the tropes aren't attacking me though you know so
2: right right yeah that
1: could be an easier pill for us to swallow
2: yeah. versus
0: yeah. someone else
2: as as three white guys watching more you know movies about white guys it's
0: yeah a mythologizing um a famous historical white guy
2: right um... <laughs> exactly yeah i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with that's the sort of as as we're kind of defining it, like the quote unquote, comfort movies. you know, we have, we're not quite yet getting into our like, where does this fully stand today, where we kind of summarize everything up. but i I think like having a movie like this that you can put on at family gatherings that you can put on that's generally inoffensive. And, you know, there's some people out there who might think like, if an art's if art's not provocative, then like, what is it? You know, what's the point of watching it? But it's like sometimes, you just need a thing that everybody can watch. Yeah. And even if, even if like, while you're watching it, you're like, well, this isn't like the greatest thing ever. It's like, at least, at least we don't have to like talk about politics or something like that. Right. Right. It's, it's, I I guess it's like, it's kind of pure escapism. I
0: think inoffensive is a good way to put it.
2: Yeah.
1: For, I, I just have for this image of it, now of like David at like the Thanksgiving table and like the crazy uncle is about to start saying something. He just whips Robin Hood Prince of Thieves out and like chucks it at him and suddenly like saves the day.
2: <laughs> I mean, you you know, it's you you say it like that, but I do particularly remember like sitting with the relatives that I only see like once a year, and you know, what do you talk to those people about? But hey, we're sitting on the same couch and you know, all watching Robin Hood. There it is. Yeah. It's bringing us all together. Oh, remember what I was gonna say earlier? A a plot thread that again picked up and abandoned that I wanted to see more of was the the burgeoning friendship between Friar Tuck and Azeem. There, there was like one scene where he, where uh, Friar Tuck was like, "Why don't we open a cask of beer and you know, and we'll we'll talk about saving each other's souls?" And Azeem's like, "I don't drink, but you know." whatever and fire like, toxic then i'll drink you do the talking it's like yes give me that cut to that scene
0: right yeah so in all the for all the the n- bad tropes that this movie has it does seem to try to send this message of tolerance right mm-hmm. um and uh that's one of the ways it does it in fact azim's character seems to be the pivot point for all of the the tolerance discussions in this movie um which makes sense right not only is he is he racially different he's he's the guy that everybody is fighting against in the crusades um and also so he's religious he's he's different on a religious level a racial level everything right yeah um but uh but yeah that would have been a great conversation to see that was after the (laughs) c-section right Uh, right the c-section is what made friar tuck realize that he must he must. He must be some somebody impressive. <laughs> uh, but uh, but Friar Tuck is a good. I like that character in general. Yeah, uh, because one of the things that I really like about him is he's not like you can see, especially in the moments where you meet Friar Tuck, that he is. He's not played as a one-dimensional character. He's like he's willing to to work with this band of merry men and be their their spiritual guide but also he's kind of mad about how he ended up with them and uh-huh. he's yelling about it and he's angry and happy and ble- feeling blessed and um all these things
2: <laughs> yeah
1: and he's not afraid to curb stomp someone out a window
2: <laughs> yeah <I'm> kidding man <laughs> well yeah yeah michael mcsheen is the or michael mcshane is the actor that we're talking about here and he's he also gives a great performance. It is a very like small performance in terms of screen time, so I don't think it doesn't have the the chance to shine quite as big as say Rickman or or Freeman do. Uh, but he does have some really great moments. One of them being when he does come across the the bishop at the end of the movie, and you know he sees him trying to run away, and he's like, "Oh, let me help you," and starts loading him up with the with with the gold. And just like the performance he's giving in that moment, I really thoroughly enjoyed. I, overall, what I'm saying is we could have done with more Friar Tuck in this movie.
0: Yeah, what's the line? There's 30 pieces of silver so uh. you can pay the ferryman or something on yeah. your way to hell. And he's throwing <laughs> them out the window. There's 30 pieces of silver to pay the devil on your way to hell.
2: Yeah, that's uh-huh. great. <laughs> that's, yeah. The movie needed more stuff like that. And. I just love hearing that they wanted to edit this more to like, mm, can we make Kevin Costner better <laughs> in this?
0: <laughs> it feels like they wanted him to be the the eye candy, but so to fix that, they surrounded him with all these great actors, right. Right?
2: Yeah, well, and uh, you know, there's the one shot where we got to see his butt through a waterfall.
0: Yeah, oh, Marion definitely
2: saw that. Oh,
1: Dreams okay. were made.
2: She she definitely had a had a moment. Uh,
1: <laughs> that's I, that's when her character changed. That's right. that's when the moment
2: happened. Right. She's like you've changed so much in these years since you've been gone.
1: I hate this bratty young you know rich boy. Oh, oh,
2: tan line. His, tan <laughs> oh gosh, the the tan line on the. Uh, it was actually a body double. I, I learned, uh, but still the tan line is intense.
0: Yeah. He spent some time out there in Jerusalem.
2: Yeah, what what this what that implies too is that. It, but when Robin is when we're not seeing him on screen, he's spending most of his time in shorts walking around. Right, sunbathing. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> sunbathing and then guilting all of these uh, poor people and for not fighting back against the establishment.
2: Yeah, and then <laughs> teaching them, as you said, Bobby earlier. The timeline of this movie is radically confusing because these people go from like. Barely being able to knock an arrow to being amazing shots in,
0: which is a little week? confusing in of itself. I feel like because just because they're like, presumably they've been living in the forest for a while, right? Okay, so did they just like like uh, Robin Hood has this whole speech, this big triumphant speech, which I loved as a kid, um, <laughs> but uh, of course I did. Um but uh he at one moment they're like, But we, we got nothing to eat. And uh <laughs> and uh Robin Hood says, What what do we not have what do we not what do we need that the forest cannot
2: provide? And I thought, had they not figured that out yet? And well and the kids like kids like <laughs> I've killed hundreds of deer. It's like how? Was he like right. was he dropping out of trees on them? <laughs> like what <laughs>
0: And not sharing it with the rest of the
2: people, right? Yeah, and there's like they 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 play up constantly how stupid the the villagers are to a point where it actually gets like ridiculous. Where he's like, you know, how many of them are there? There's twenty, and he tells them there's five. Like, well, they can't count, and it's okay, whatever. But then, I, mean, I
0: think they even probably in the script had them going like,
2: right? <laughs> well, then later it's like, you take the one on the right, I'll take the one on the left. Which one's the one on the right? And like, they neither of like them
0: 30 second debate on right from left.
2: Yeah. And it's like, you know the words, but you don't know the concept.
0: No, they even understand the concept that right and left are two <laughs> yes. like sides of a thing. Uh, boy. That's funny. That's funny. Uh,
2: yeah all right before we we get to our final thoughts on all this does anyone else have any other uh thoughts or or things that they want to talk about
0: well so i did want to say that i think this this I, i paid special attention when i go back and look at old movies like this i i'm i'm the type of person who is not very forgiving about like cinematography and stuff aging mm-hmm. um and the film and how it looks aging i'm usually just like like i noticed that right away and it bothers me but i mm-hmm. had to say that for a 1991 movie um the the way it looked was actually it held up pretty well
1: it seems like they spent a lot of money on like set design and costumes and, cost, and all of I mean, that like it felt pretty lived in also, they spent a lot of money on that, like point of view arrow shot going into the the target, like right. twice.
2: Yeah. Oh, I also there's also the shot when he fires the flaming arrow, which is like on the poster, and it does something weird in the movie, like slows down to like really like let you see, like ah, this is what you saw on the poster. Eh, remember yeah. that? There, there is
1: fire. Oh yeah, I, I think of that when I saw a scene, like he, he lets it go, and I'm like, wait, that's the poster. And I, had, like, I hadn't like thought of it at the time, but it was just like a, ooh, capture it. Like, that's the moment.
0: And yeah. I have to cop to the, like, like I have to admit that I did get goosebumps in that moment because right before that, like, like Marion sees that Robin Hood is there. And then, because they just are about to, they're getting married, right? She's getting married to the Sheriff of Nottingham, which she does not want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh and she's feeling like her world is falling apart around her and it's hopeless. And then she sees Robin, who she thinks is dead.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so she sees him, and then she calls out his name. She, she yells,
2: Robin!
0: Um, and I, I still, it might, they might have been nostalgia
2: goosebumps, but I got goosebumps. <laughs> um.
0: <laughs>
2: I, I think they may have been nostalgia goosebumps, <laughs> just, just from my perspective. <laughs>
1: And I think, honestly, um I, watching the film, I mean, I, I recognize that Alan Rickman's character was the bad guy, but I also, like, I think, it's it, this is a film on one hand, it's one of the earlier Robin Hood films, but since then, there's been multiple oh, Robin it, Hood film it, tellings. Sorry, what was that? Did?
2: Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. Finish your thought.
1: I was saying, there's, you know, there's, there's been so many Robin Hood movies, and it, it I, I'm not going to say like I was tired while watching it, but it's like, and I'm saying this as someone who's read like a billion Spider Man comics over like two decades, where like inevitably he riots and then falls and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, the, the things are cyclical. So, and the Robin Hood story is so well known and so well tread that it was almost like I was Robin Hood out. So, when I was watching this film, I was just like, I I want it's almost like I I wanted something different because I was thinking with like, I was enjoying Alan Rickman's performance so much. I was like, where is the, the, you know, really low hanging fruit idea of, you know, the sheriff of Nottingham's the good guy and Robin Hood's the bad guy. Like now I want that movie and they need to bring Alan Rickman back. Oh, buddy. I got some, uh, some, somehow, some, somehow, some, somehow oh. to play the or age Ezra Miller up. I also thought that while watching the film, I was like, Alan Rickman is an older Ezra Miller.
2: Yeah. Nick, it's, am I breaking this news to you on this podcast? Cause if so, this is going to be rough. <laughs> uh, Alan Rickman's dead.
1: Yeah, I knew that. Okay, thank God. They have to bring him back, like necromancy or, or something. Uh,
2: you know. Okay, I just wanted to make sure because it's it breaks my heart to even have to say it.
1: <laughs> it. It does. I mean, Alan Rickman was a fantastic actor, and he is, you know, rest in peace. He's sorely missed. Um, but I get, I guess, in this case, I, I don't want that film if Alan Rickman's
2: not in it. Though I like the idea of just putting Ezra Miller in, in slightly older makeup and having him give his best Alan Rickman performance. I'm, I am weirdly <laughs> into that.
1: I think he could pull it off too.
2: Probably. Now we've, we've talked broadly about it. This is a time where we summarize our thoughts. We're going to talk about, is this a movie that stays in the hall of memories or is it something that's worth visiting today? Bobby, you brought it to us. This is your first time seeing it in 15 or so years. You showed it to your kids after all of this. What do you think?
0: I, the short answer to that question is I think absolutely. I loved watching it again. Now, of course I have, I, I am clearly biased. I love the movie as a kid. So I have some, a lot of positive nostalgia for it, but I tried to be objective. I, t- I said earlier um, that I think the cinematography and the, the, the way it was shot and the set design and the props and the costuming, that all felt really good. It was definitely watchable and, and, did not pull me out of it by feeling dated, so I think all of that holds up. I think the pacing of the story is really good. It's got a classic story arc, and and I think you, David, put it really, really well when you said that it's sort of um, a generally mostly inoffensive kind of movie, and it's just it's a fun sort of feel good, um, just action adventure kind of movie that um, that I was glad to get an opportunity to watch again.
2: Did you you have fun sharing it with your kids, sharing those memories with them?
0: Yes. Until, (laughs) uh, until the moment when I realized I was exposing them to lots of killing that they didn't want to be exposed to. (laughs) And and child hanging. (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) Right. Nick, what about you?
1: You know, I, I think it's a fine film and, but I think it's a film that me personally, I'm it's, more or less gone by the same way it did whenever I first saw it. Like I enjoyed it. I think it's a comfort film. I think if if you if if you want to like watch it as we said for like Thanksgiving or Christmas, like pop it on and like when you need something that everyone would potentially agree on. Like I think it's good for that. Like other, but I, I didn't. I didn't necessarily feel like it. That, I don't think it's worth revisiting in a sense. You know what I mean? I feel like this is kind of like a cop-out answer. Um, like the movie in of itself, I think compare, especially if you stack it up against other movies, both of its time and things that have come since or so on and so forth. Like, um, I think it could have been better, but as far as like a comfort film to pull off the shelf when you're feeling nostalgic, which I guess is the point of the show, uh, then yeah, go for it.
2: You mentioned something earlier where you said like, you know, suddenly there was this rash of, of Robin hood movies in the last you know few decades. And that's true and it, it it this was kind of like the the kickoff for that after probably many decades of either ones that we don't know about or you know ones that were from like the 1940s you know there there'd been like a 50 year gap where it wasn't quite so in the zeitgeist and right. of the modern takes of of the serious modern take robin hoods it's still the best i don't think it's that great i think it's buoyed by some great performances we we've talked extensively about the performances. I don't think Costner ruins the film by any means, but having him be the leading man and the performance that he's giving is kind of like, you know, okay, when's the next time that uh, Alan Rickman's going to be on screen? Okay, great, thank you. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's, It's not a movie without its flaws, but it's also not, as we have said several times, this is an inoffensive movie. It is not in any way... Like, oh, don't watch this movie for X, Y, and Z. My reason for not wanting to to watch this movie is, like, it's two and a half hours long, and I'll I'll just watch some of my favorite scenes in in clips on YouTube. Uh, If you're really raring to watch a a Robin Hood movie, you know, somehow that's like a kick you got, and you're looking at all your options from the last few decades, this would definitely be the one to go with. Uh, Though, I will say that I think, for me, I'm just going to stick to Robin Hood men in tights, because... There's a lot of love there for that movie, and I I just love love the the take on the tales. Those are our opinions. Listening audience, we want to know your opinions. Please let us know what you think. You can find out where to contact us at hitmeonemoretime.com. From there, you'll find out how to email us and on all the social medias. And of course, please take some time to rate and subscribe. But don't don't give us your thoughts on individual films in there. Uh, Save that for actually contacting us. Now, before we go, I have a game that I am Ooh. really I thought of earlier and I'm very excited about. Uh, I am calling this Robin who and uh-huh. uh, future David, go ahead put in some introductory sound clip right here. and'm and great, so here are the rules. I'm going to play clips from different Robin Hood movies and what you're going to do, the, the two of you will be competing after the clip finishes, you'll you know chime in somehow with your voice, how, however, don't just call out an answer, make some sort of noise for me to, to, to recognize you, and then you're going to be telling me who that actor is playing Robin Hood, and these are going to get harder as they go along for a Interesting. for a bonus point, you can tell me any other actor in that version of Robin Hood, and what role they play. See, if this one's not on the table, because, come on, that's super obvious, but if this one was, and you got Kevin Costner, you get a bonus point by telling me that Alan Rickman was the sheriff of Nottingham, but you couldn't just say Alan Rickman was in the movie. You'd have to give me the actor and the character they played. Make sense? Yep. Indeed. All right. So like I said, these are going to be a little bit harder as they go along. Let me know if you cannot hear the clip, but here's the first one. Because, unlike some other Robin Hoods, I can speak with an English accent.
0: Uh, Jamie? it's my turn. <laughs>
2: I, I did oh. hear I did hear Bobby fumble about a little bit first. So
0: that is, of course, um, that is what's his name? Elway's Car- Carrie Elway's. That is correct. It, who was in uh, Men in Tights? We've been talking about that, and um, in in that clip, making fun of Kevin Costner. <laughs> of course um and uh i cannot for the life of me think of any other actors in that movie so i think (laughs) i'm just gonna have to go with the the
2: main point (laughs) all right well now there's so many great things to 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 name dave Chappelle plays a chew oh of course Uh, patrick stewart plays the king of england Why didn't
0: I uh, see? I'm really. This is. I'm surprised I came up with one. This might be the only <sighs> name I even remember.
2: Well, let's see. We're going to move on to our our second clip here. Okay. If you're trying to build for the future, you must yeah. set your foundation strong. Wait till the clip ends. The laws of this land enslave people to its king. ding yeah. Nick
1: ding ding dong um uh what's his name russell Crowe?
2: that is indeed russell Crowe. can you name anyone else in that movie
1: <laughs> was there anyone else in that movie or is it just russell Crowe? yeah
2: and it's the Rus- russell russell playing all the parts <laughs> i get all the parts and... <laughs> yeah.
1: um yeah i'm sure that guy was in the film
2: too well again you know lots of lots of people you could have named kate blanchett played uh, mary and this was an older older Robin, so she was Marion Loxley at at that time. Uh, But you also had Oscar Isaac playing Prince John, you know. But I'm sure none of us here have seen this movie, so moot point. I have
1: not. I have definitely seen it, but clearly forgot it.
2: Yeah. Did not, don't really care to. Anyway. Alright, here we go. Four years ago, I marched off to fight for a liar's cause. Ding. No, it's it left my heart. Oh, I thought, I thought the clip. came home and answered nothing. The question is, what would you do to get back what's yours? The clip is now
1: on. Ding, 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 ding,
2: ding, <laughs> ding, 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 Nick. <laughs> it's, it's okay, um, I am
0: not dinging on this one.
1: <laughs> um, Crap, what's his name? He's the guy from Kingsman and mm-hmm. and the the other movie. Uh, and it's not Channing Tatum's name but for some reason. I'm thinking of Channing Tatum. uh, E Oh, I know who you're gosh. talking about now. What's his name? I think it starts with an E. Edgerton. Taryn Edgerton.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay, I was going to give it. I was going to let Bobby get a chance to steal it after <laughs> you laid all that <laughs> groundwork. But,
0: uh, I I am not aware of a Robin Hood movie he's in, but you said the Kingsman, so I knew who you were talking about. Yeah. and then you. Said, I've, I've said, actually,
1: oh. yeah, yeah, I've actually seen this movie. Oh, uh, and I can also whew. name that Jamie Foxx played, um, I, I think, Azeem. What was the Azeem of that film?
2: Oh, that's not the character's name, though. Oh. Uh, that's all I got. Mm. <laughs> he played Yaha slash John. So they they made the little John and I guess the, the Azeem sort of mixed. Oh,
1: okay.
2: Why not? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right, currently, Nick, you are leading two to one. Uh, We will go on to our next clip then. Uh, So the first, I'll let you know with this one, uh, at at first you will not hear Robin Hood, but you'll hear Robin Hood after the the first person speaks. So it's the second voice you hear is what I'm trying to say. The traitors to the crown must die. Traitors to the crown. That crown belongs to King Richard. Long live King Richard.
0: Ding, Bobby. Is that? Is isn't that the? Cl- I mean, I feel like it has to be the classic Errol Flynn one, right?
2: Ooh, so unfortunately, I never actually
0: watched it. I just know. Uh, ding, <laughs> Nick. Uh Is it the Disney
2: Robin Hood film? It it is. Can you name who plays Robin Hood in this? A fox. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I, oh, no, no. I, I should get a point for the...
1: I mean, a fox does play Robin Hood. Whether he's real or not is immaterial. Okay,
2: who voices Robin Hood in this movie? Uh, no idea. Okay. Yeah, I knew this was going to be a real tough one. <laughs> so no no points awarded on that round. But then here is our final. Greetings, Your Highness. You know, you should really teach Gisborne hospitality. I no sooner enter his castle doors there with a piece of meat... And
0: his starving servants try to
2: snatch it from him. Ding. It, it, Ooh. Yeah. Go, go for it. All right. Nick. Is this the Arrow Flynn one? That is Arrow Flynn. <laughs> uh, I feel right, like I, better for
0: you to take it anyway, since it would just at this point be me just saying, Errol Flynn? Errol <laughs> Flynn? This one's Arrow Flynn.
2: <laughs> is, is that Arrow Flynn? I've. <laughs> um
1: they, and i don't know anyone else in that film maybe a flynn Arrol or something
2: i don't know nick you can't name any other actors from 1938's the adventures of robin hood uh, what's her name wait
1: wait wait
2: there's no way there's no who's, way.
1: who's who's who who was in breakfast at tiffany's
2: oh no you're wrong <laughs> Catherine
1: Hepburn was Catherine Hepburn no. just, I'm just going to assume Catherine great Catherine Hepburn was in this film I get a point thank
2: you no uh, the the only one that either of you maybe would have heard of. I mean I don't know you might have a lot of uh, history with that but uh, would have probably been Claude Raines who played the invisible man yep no All right. well that was Robin who and Nick congratulations you're the winner
1: this is the first time on the history
2: of podcasting with David where I ever
0: actually won a quiz. <laughs> it's so, true. well, it was the right quiz to win against me. I am terrible with actor <laughs> names and So am
1: I. That's what I'm impressed by. <laughs> You've seen a
2: lot of Robin Hood movies
1: apparently. I've seen a lot of Robin Hood movies.
0: There's oh. only one Robin Hood movie worth seeing and that's the one I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. Men in Tights is a great movie.
2: It that is true. Well, Bobby, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for asking me. It was such a,
0: it was so fun um, watching this movie again after so long.
2: Where, uh, where can people find you, find your work, find the great podcast that you do?
0: Uh, So the main thing I'm doing right now is All Around Science. We are, uh, we, we, our website is allaroundscience.com. That's where you can um, find all of the the various ways that you can follow that show, or if you just want to look up all around science on all the places where you get your podcast, that's of course going to be there. And also on YouTube, the other stuff I do, which is the tabletop stuff I do, which uh, you mentioned David earlier in the show is the Shadowcasters network, and we do some like board gaming stuff and and uh, and stuff there. that's on youtube uh, shadowcasters dot network is the website there. so um, but but right now you need if you're interested in science you should check out All Around Science. That's the that's the new thing that I'm super excited about.
2: Yeah, people should check it out, you know, Bobby and I we we worked together and then competed against one another in America's next top podcaster and really I can say every step of the way Bobby is someone that I you know, it you are are so good at what you do and uh and you've you've made me better, and you know I love seeing the stuff that you're up to because it it helps kind of help push me forward. I'm like ah, oh, Bobby's got stuff he's doing. I got to make sure I'm staying on top of it. So people <laughs> well, they... people got to check out the the real quality guy that is Bobby Frankenberger. And uh, speaking of quality guys, we got Nick Shermooksness. Nick, what are you up to?
1: Wow, that that was a nice sweet transition. Um, okay, I could I, I could am... be meaner. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, well, unlike Bobby, the person holding David back is, uh, no, uh, you can find me at Nick Chermuxis, S-E-R-M-U-K-S-N-I-S, if you're not exhausted yet, on Twitter, uh, and uh, hit me up and uh, ask me where my art is or something. Phil?
2: We almost got through a whole episode without mentioning Phil Rude. <laughs> but that's
1: <laughs> sorry it was, it was
2: I, I, I can't oh no it's he, uh, brought, he
1: brought it up again today so like,
2: I, as, as we have mentioned before phil root is becoming the fifth beetle of this podcast so really is it right for us to have an episode where we don't mention him sure if people want to find me they can of course do so around the internet under the username davluz that is d-a-v-l-u-z twitter and instagram you can find me there in what i am up to Listening audience, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. We do this show for you, and we do this show because of you. Remember, you can't move forward if you're always looking back. We'll see you next time.